Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Team Building Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Cuny. Um, On today's show, we have the one, the only, Brett Jennings from San Jose, California. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you, man? I am doing well. Uh, For those of you who um, think the voice might sound just a little bit different, um, I am. This is not Jeff, although... We have heard many times, I've had many people come up to me and say, oh my God, I loved your podcast when you hosted so-and-so. And that tells me that they listened to the audio and didn't watch the video because they tell us Jeff and I sound a lot alike. And I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, I didn't do that one. They're like, oh, it sounded just like you. And I'm like, yeah, Jeff and I typically sound pretty similar. But I want to um, introduce myself. I've stepped in and, and uh, pinch it for Jeff quite a few times on this. But just to give everybody a quick background of who I am, um, uh, I've been with Jeff since about 2011, right? The first year that he started the real estate team um, after becoming one of his top agents in 2014. Uh, I joined the role of being his success manager for the real estate team. Um, and then after that, um, founded ERS with him and uh, Kevin McGowan. So we've, and then I've been the lead coach with ERS since about 2016 um, up until now and um, still working with ERS and uh, doing our, our, training and coaching on a weekly basis with them. And now we have the, the teamerage, right? Right. Which we're going to talk about a little bit today as well, um, where we have the team inside the brokerage. Um, now that we've opened up our new brokerage at KW Elite. So, um, what I want to start in with is I want to find out all about Brett Jennings. So Brett, tell me who are people talking to today? Give us the, the numbers first off. What's your market? What's your average price point? How many agents? And then give us a little background of how you got to where you are now. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So market that we're in is, uh, I like to affectionately call the Garden of Eden of real estate, because um, we have the, the good fortune uh, of having one of the highest median price points in the country. Our median price point is a million four nice. uh, here, here in Silicon, in San Jose, Silicon Valley. Um, been in the business about 14 years. Uh, started out, you know, as a solo agent at KW. Uh, joined the team and then my team leader left the business the second year and then and uh, I had to figure it out on my own. And then about my third or fourth year in, I, I started my own team. Um, we Today, uh, I, I have a team merge model, the hybrid between a team and a brokerage. I still retain my own uh, individual team called Brett Jennings Group. Last year, we did about a, 130 units for $234 million. And then um, I have a brokerage that runs more like a team um, okay. in, in, in that we provide all the same opportunity, you know, the uh, marketing, lead generation systems and support that, that people on my team enjoy, but uh, for for higher level producers. And so inside the team, Rich, we, we had, uh, or, or, or mega team as a category, I think we're officially called. Um, we ended up doing another billion in volume last year. So 800 and... That was billion with a B, correct? Billion, billion with a B. <laughs> So 804 units, uh, about a billion two in sales last year. Um, and I've got a team of, of, of six and I've got another, had, a, had another 50 
partner agents organized into another four teams um, at uh, the Team Rich. It's called Real Estate Experts. Okay, so I have a question there. So you said you had you have the the agents who are at the team, or I'm sorry, the brokerage, right, or the Team Rich, right? Outside of that, you said you have about 50 agents. Is that a landing spot for those agents who start out on your team and then at some point outgrow great, it? Or great, great question, great question. So. Uh, yeah, it, it really, and, and as any um, any experienced team leader will come to know, right? You have typically have a life cycle of an agent um, on your team, especially if they're really talented and they want to grow, because they're right. going to want to spread their own wings, make a higher split, have their own identity, and you know, in, in the traditional brokerage model, I didn't have a not have a path to growth for them, and that was one of the things that prompted us to to pivot and um, start the Team Ridge model. Was I wanted to have um, that opportunity because but, but what was happening right was I've got a guy on my team he he was a five to seven year unit producer I didn't like hiring brand new agents I just found the predictability of success was not there mm-hmm. uh, for brand new people where it was a lot more predictable I could take a guy doing five to seven units and leverage him up with leads and support and coach him and get him to 20, 30 units a year but at the two to three year somewhere between the two and three year mark they get the itch right so the yep. grass is greener and something's better and. You know, they leave the team and then they go from doing 30 units, they do 10 more than they did before. And I have talked to them, hey, you know, what's, what's, do you want to do more? Yeah, I'd like to do more. Well, how come you don't do more? Well, you know, I didn't, it's, I didn't have all the stuff that you guys had on the team. We had camaraderie, we had leads, we had support, you know. And so um, Gary Keller was the one who inspired me, you know, by, I said, Gary, you know, what, what do I do here? How do I keep these people from, from flying the coop? Mm-hmm. And he said, your job as a leader is to consistently expand your world so that your best people can live out their greatest ambitions within it. Now, if you hire duds, that's easy. But if you hire studs, that's hard because those people are going to push you and force you to grow and expand your, your vision and your world and your universe. I'm sure much like Jeff Cohn has, and I've had to do the same. But uh, been great benefits there. So yep. it's, been, uh, it's been an exciting ride. We went from you know, four years ago, a team doing $160 million, in a four-year trajectory uh, to a, a mega team that uh, did 1.2 billion last year. So, like we, we're, that's we're, amazing. Yeah, I think you exciting. might know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm figuring it out the best I can, man. Right. But I'm I'm a, I'm a student of the business, a student of the game, a student of life. So um, I look for patterns. Uh, you know, I I also follow other successful people and see what they're doing, uh, and then also follow my heart. Right. And that's oh. uh, I think one of the things we're going to talk about uh, today. It is I, I, everything that you've been saying. I just keep uh, it keeps popping into my head, like the the, the um, visual that you're going to share here in just a little bit. For those of you that actually end up watching the podcast instead of just listening, um, this one might be worth it to do that, right? So um, yeah. every time you bring some up, I'm like, oh, that's going to tie in well. Oh, that's going to yeah. tie in well. I'm excited to hear it. So one thing, and it, and that is, and that's one thing that we train a lot with ERS is we always talk to these these team leaders and the issue with the team leaders is they always are upset that their agents leave them right? For better splits or better this or better that, right? Just like you said, the grass is always greener. And I said, well, the problem is, is that it is our job as their team leader is not to be their ceiling, right? And we, and too many times, because we get comfortable where we were at, right? Mm -hmm. We stopped. And what we need to do is we need to keep moving. I've lived this with Jeff, right? I became then the, what do you call it? The uh, a mega agent or whatever they call it, right? In KW language where I got really big and it was always Jeff and to Jeff's credit, Jeff kept moving himself up, right? And then through me would just leverage roles, right? But those leverage roles allowed me to grow. 
and allowed me to get more opportunities that I didn't have to then go build on my own. And so that's one thing that we tell team leaders all the time is what type of ceiling are you creating for your agents, right? They always want to talk about the floor, right? Well, I'm giving them all of this, right? That's a great floor, but what if it works, right? Like all the time, it's always, you have 107 contingency plans on if this doesn't work. What if it does, does, right? And it's like, oh crap. And then we can't take advantage of it because we never expected it to, right? We never trusted in ourselves. So I love it. I'm excited to hear about what you're going to talk about here in a minute. I, I, I like I like what you said about uh, you know a floor and and hey, these team leaders want to be a ceiling. What you really want to be is you want to be the ladder for people, right? There you go. You want to be the ladder. Don't be the floor. Don't don't provide the floor. Don't be the ceiling. Be the ladder. Absolutely. And, and and you just have and you will come to know. I think right as you probably certainly experienced, Andy, is that uh, when you trust that what is best for the people uh, in your world and you try to bring as much value to them as possible, that you will be commensurately uh blessed with profits abundance and all absolutely absolutely and but it takes a while to get there and actually some of what you're going to show is going to explain that right through the life cycle is you don't you don't just somebody just tells you so you believe it right there there becomes that clarity moment where Mm -hmm. you understand it and you do it because you believe it not because you were told and so that's where it gets really exciting. But but yeah, I'm gonna kind of let you take it away because I'm I I'm I'm probably gonna have a lot of questions. So I might jump sure. in. But sure, I would no, love no. for you to start going and just kind of tell us about um tell us about how you went from because obviously you know what I mean. You didn't just decide to just do it, right? There was failing forward. There was all of those types of things. There was learning um, involved, obviously. So why don't you kind of tell us what has helped you or what you've realized from your journey going from individual agent all the way to now you do one point was it 1.2 billion yeah one point two billion last year yeah yeah well um you know i i think it's a few a few foundational ideas to to kind of lay out there that um I, i've come to know as true as, as as i've grown along this journey of building a business and creating a life uh you know that i feel fortunate to to live and that is that your business grows to the extent that you do um and and you cannot get away from that uh fact and and that you know it it is uh a, a few things that i want to share i'll start with this kind of framework that i use um for for agents uh and in my company when i'm coaching them uh and that is this roadmap of the seven stages of a real estate business and uh it kind of maps the entire journey going from a solo producer uh, all the way to becoming, uh, you know, a, a, as you might call it, an MREA model, a seventh level team leader. Um, and, and I do think, and I think Jeff has mentioned this as well, you know, the, the idea of being an absentee team leader uh, is kind of a fallacy. Like, I mean, running a team requires you. Uh, it, it will. And you certainly probably can, can hire somebody. I do now have a, a team leader that I've hired. And so I've, I've mm-hmm. gone down this whole journey and path myself. But as agents start out, um, you know, and as we coach people down this track, uh, this roadmap, as we talk about it, is the first stage of it is a solopreneur. It's just you. Uh, and usually when people start out, it's a, it, 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 and I will share this and we'll have it as a downloadable PDF. People can uh, can check it out and, and map Perfect. to it uh, after, the, after the podcast. But currently, we talk about what their current situation is, what it feels like. Um, you know, what their, what their transactional volume is, the team size, 
commission and sales volume are probably not going to map because we have these high price points, but you can sure. adjust this for your market. Mm-hmm. Um, what the leverage point is, like, because, you know, like if, if it's true that your business grows to the extent that you do, then your question should be, what's it going to take for me to learn, to know, to understand, to do, to get to that next level? And so we talk about what that leverage point is to bump someone to the next level and what their goals are at each stage. So, you know, current situation as a, as a solopreneur, uh, they got into real estate, but nobody showed them how to make money. Not sure, you know, what to do uh, to find clients and make sales. And they're wondering if, hey, did I did I make the right move to get into real estate? Um, and, you know, I'm sure everyone's been at that journey. So that's the transactional volumes, like zero to eight uh, transactions in a year. Uh, they're typically a solopreneur, solo producer. The, the leverage point that they really have to master is at the sphere of influence and open houses. Um, they got to get their sphere together into a CRM, start marketing themselves, get over their fear of making calls and, and prospecting and start working open houses to find qualified buyers. Um, most of the agents that we, we, uh, bring into the team. Um, and I would say, you know, if there's, if there's newer agents, if you have, if you're looking for a path into the business, certainly teams are, are what I would call the fast track. I decided to get on a team my first year in the business, even though I was certainly capable of doing it on my own. Uh, because I wanted the additional experience, you know, this is right. this, this, the learning. And so they're willing to do the work. They caps their sphere as their situation, uh, hosted open houses, but they don't really have a plan. They feel a little stuck. Uh, their, their, their opportunity there is to really master the buyer side of the business, um, master the buyer listing presentations, how to get buyers in your contract, you know, max out your opportunity with online leads and leverage those hot buyers um, to find sellers. Uh, deliver exceptional experience and remember to work your sphere for referrals. We're probably a lot of people I would imagine who, who listen to this podcast are probably in the grower stage, um, which is the third stage uh, on the, on the journey. And that um, they're, they're, good at, they're good at getting clients to work with them, um, but can't seem to get off the roller coaster of having a good month and then a bad month. Uh, they need more listings for all these buyers they have. And what that feels like is a roller coaster. <laughs> And, right. They're not uh, in control of their business. The market not, is in control of their business. Yeah, they're not yet in control of their business. Um, and to, to really, uh, they've got to get a plan together, a real solid plan, and start leveraging administrative support uh, if they're in a team environment, whether that's transaction coordination or listing management, so that they can reclaim time. Um, and that's what it says. You know, The goals at that stage are to reclaim time, focus more on prospecting for sellers, possibly start a farm. You know, don't get comfortable. Uh, this is where agents, I think, uh, do get stuck, right? Where they have a great month. They've made more money than they've ever made before if they come from another industry and then they slow down. Um, and that, but the, the goal is to set uh, a goal to generate two, at least two listings a month consistently um, by prospecting and, and or farming. I, I feel Not- like at this stage, Brett, is that roller coaster yeah. stage that you're just speaking about is they mm-hmm. finally have enough money to mm-hmm. leverage their time, right? To actually mm-hmm. leverage their time. And they do that and they do leverage their time so that they can have more time to do the highest income producing activities. The problem is, is that they don't then replace the time they leveraged with those high income producing activities. Activities, Yeah, yeah. They, they, they take their foot off the gas or yes. they take that additional time and kind of coast a little bit. Right. And so that's the thing is, is to really kind of keep the foot um, on the gas at that stage. Uh, and, and, and sometimes people get into scarcity. Well, they'll make the extra money and they won't invest in the leverage. And they suffer from something what I call EID. You know what EID is? No. What is it? What's the stand for? 
entrepreneurial idiot disease. <laughs> Basically, I think I've had that at a time or yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, eighty percent of real estate is like fifteen to twenty-five dollar an hour work. And, oh yeah. But if you relegate yourself to doing all that work, then you only have twenty percent of your time to make good money. Exactly. And, and sometimes agents get in the scarcity mindset. Oh, I don't want to pay for that. You know, coordinator or assistant or what have you. But that's that's the key thing is either getting an assistant. If uh, if you're not in an environment like the Team Ridge, like um, like uh, the, the KW Elite team or, or ourselves, it's hiring that assistant. I, I think the other thing too, though, is that they hang on to those roles or those activities that are low income producing because mm-hmm. it's almost like a safety blanket, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. stopping them and they get to use that as almost like a, well, I don't have time to go out, right? And do all these extra things that would make me successful because I have to do these things. So then they just stay in their comfort zone and they yeah. don't want to fail forward. That's that's the hard part, right? To go to the next level and, and no matter where you are in the business, what got you to where you are won't get you to where you want to go. <laughs> you know? Weird, and, huh? <laughs> yeah. And we all have our go-tos. Uh, and even at, even at the highest levels, I mean, I, I've found myself as this market's contracted to, to like because selling a $3 million house will make me $75,000, uh, you know, to want to get back in production, but to resist that temptation because it's so easy right. for me to do it. Um, it it's not going to get me to where I really want to go. Right. So we, we, we move on, right, from that, mm-hmm. you know, 17 to 25 units a year. Uh, that next stage is the hustler uh, in going from 25 to 40 units in production. Um, now they maybe are adding uh, either an assistant or a buyer's agent. Um, but the experience there feels like they're doing all the work, burning the candle at both ends. They need better systems, time management, and help delegating some of the work. Uh, and, and to maintain profitability at that 25 to 40 transaction stage, rather than hiring a buyer's agent, it's, it's probably more profitable to use a showing assistant that, that you can pay on a per, per showing basis. But ultimately, you want to get all the busy work of buyers off of your plate um, if it is still viable and profitable for you to write those offers and contracts and keep that profit margin, that's a good place to be. But the goal at that stage is, is uh, leverage, say, virtual assistance and showing assistance, the lower cost labor um, to take the busy work off and, and get your increase your focus on sellers. Um, invest 10% of your commission back into marketing for listings and use showing assistance to offload that work so that they can spend more time prospecting for buyers. I'm sorry, prospecting for sellers. So, um, yep, I agree. Yeah. So, so really when you, you're not until you're kind of at that level of 30 to 40 transactions a year, do we really feel that you're ready to start a team? Mm-hmm. Because to start a team, you got to feed a team. And to feed them, you need enough listings through open houses and sign calls and things to start feeding those buyers agents. Can you build a buyer agent team with internet generated leads? Yes. And, you know, as we all know, the, the quality of the lead uh, will determine the velocity of your business in the sense that, you know, Facebook and Internet leads are going to require a lot of grind uh, to, mm-hmm. to get down to um, those, those actionable uh, bottom of the funnel buyers who are ready to transact, whereas side calls coming off your listings or open houses are going to give you that better opportunity. So that's really at the stage where someone becomes the entrepreneur. You know, the business is rocking, we're making money, but it feels a little unstable. I'm working harder and longer hours. You know, will will I ever see my family again? (laughs) And you're doing that 40 to 80 units and you're building the team. Um, It is at that stage when you've got, you've 
leverage the virtual assistants and the showing assistants. Now you're ready to, to build the team with buyers agents. Yep. And uh, so, so that's the first, you know, the first phase of the journey. And then you're, you're getting up to a team of about three to six agents, 40 to 80 transactions. Um, and, you know, now you've got scalability, you've got stability in the business. It's listing based. Uh, and now you're, you know, at that stage where you can really support and, and build a team. Um, and, and the next level is, you know, really becoming a leader and, and getting yourself out of the listing side. Uh, and that is a very, very difficult journey for some people. And it depends on the type of listing presentation and the type of business you're, you've built. Um, and I, you know, I think one of the key things there is you want to have a, a, a process built, I mean, a listing presentation and a listing system that's process-based versus personality-based. 100%. Because it has to be able to work without you. Has to be able to work without you. The story they, that, that someone's got to be able to tell is compelling without you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was, that was, um, you know, one of the things that we had to really get clear on is we made the, the, the listing presentation not about me, although yes, as the team leader, the value that we bring, but really about the process. So anyway, um, you know, every state. I just wanted to say real quick, Brett, is when we get to this leader, one thing that mm -hmm. keeps popping into my head is are a couple of pitfalls. Mm -hmm. One is you've got to make sure profitability wise, right? That when you get to this leader point where you're starting to step out of the business, mm -hmm. that your team needs to be as profitable as you were, right? They need to be able to make you enough money so what, that you don't need your production anymore. Because everybody yeah. always asks that question. Well, how much... How, how much does my team need to make me? Because you know this, you've been to these conferences and these conventions and these award shows all across the country. And you run into these team leaders who are on stage and they'd make more money if they didn't have their team. Yeah. Right? And they no. just sold it themselves. They just did their own sales. And right? that's, and, 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 and that, that, that's a whole nother conversation about it building, is. building the right foundation. Though, right. right. Like on team splits. And I learned this um, in the early stages of growing my team, getting about to that, you know, grower hustler stage. When I started yep. to get some agents on the team, uh, I think a big mistake a lot of team leaders make is, is they just go a 50, 50 split across the board mm -hmm. um, on, on everything. And you cannot pay out 50% of the commission, the gross commission on a listing because by the time you factor in marketing expenses, administrative costs, and all of that, you, you're ending up with like 20 cents on the dollar for a listing that you generated. Right. Uh, and the agent's getting 50% and, and then it, the model doesn't work, right? You can't get out of the listing side. Yep. So for that reason, yeah, our, our, our payouts on the listing side are 25% uh, if it's a company-generated lead, 35% if they've pulled the lead out of the database, and 45% if it's their own sphere of influence. But, nice. Uh, at, I love those, I love actionables like that. Yeah, at that at those levels, it, it provides um, you know enough margin. Uh, if I'm given an eight in a listing at seventy five cents on the dollar after I pay expenses, I'm still I've still got plenty of profit left. So, yep. and, then, and then the other one other one other pitfall I see, and I I feel like any person who wants to go to that entrepreneur slash leader role, right, where they mm -hmm. start to have a team of their own, mm -hmm. is it should be required reading is the five levels of management. Mm -hmm. Have you read that book? I haven't. I'm going to write it down. Perfect. And, uh, and read it. And so what it, it, it was, it was interesting because it was a rock star agent who's out there doing those, you know, 25 to 40 units a year. Mm -hmm. They are a 
first, second, third, probably a fourth or fifth level leader when it comes to their clients, right? Those clients trust them, follow their advice and look to them for guidance because they trust them, right? Because they know that's their best route. What happens is those agents become so used to being a fourth or fifth level leader to their clients that they don't understand when they turn around and start to lead agents, they have to start back over at level one, mm-hmm. right? They are a level, it, you're, whenever your audience changes, you automatically become a first level leader again, right? And your first level is situational. They have to do what I say because I'm their boss, <laughs> right? And then yeah. the next is they have to do what I say because they've seen me do it. And then the third level is they do what I say because they know and they believe in it not because I told them to, right? And there's that next level every time. But every time you meet a new person, you have to start back over at level one. And I feel like a lot of the people between um, that level four and five there that you have um, from hustler to entrepreneur mm-hmm. is they forget that. And they bring the level of leadership from their clients to these agents, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that sometimes that stunts their growth and they lose a lot of good agents at the very beginning when they're first starting out, which of course is the, worst time for them because it's in the transition. Yeah. No, no part of this journey is easy. That's for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I, I, I like that. And I, I hear what you're saying. And it definitely is. It definitely is true. And that, at, at that level, you know, once you get five or six agents, your, your leadership, your two things that you're really focused on is leadership and listings. Yep. Just leadership and listings. And uh, you know, that, that, um, but but developing your leadership skills is important and it's uncomfortable. I remember for me, like, you know, I, it wasn't that I didn't see myself as a leader, but uh, it was foreign to me. Like I never, you know, let, let a big company or a small company for that matter. And, and it's mm-hmm. all, you know, it's, it's all new and it's, it's all outside the comfort zone, but you got to just lean into it. And I remember feeling massively uncomfortable, you know, leading teaching trainings and, and all of this, but it, uh, you, you know, you got to do the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. There you go. hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and that, and that ultimately gets us to that, that last stage, uh, of, of the visionary here, which this is the, where we all want to go with our real estate business, right? Is like mm-hmm. have the opportunity to, to, to take the time that you want to take to have the income that you, that you want to have to, to, uh, what I, what my, one of my friends said, like best, I think is, you know, to have the business be a vehicle, um, to give us the time and money freedom to create magic moments uh, with the people that we love and care about, you know, the time Absolutely. and money freedom to do that. And, and this business can do that, and, but you do have to, you have to grow as a person and you get to that last level of leadership and it's, it's finding and hiring a replacement um, that can help you lead the team. And uh, that's, that's been the journey that, that I'm on and kind of where I'm at. And uh, yeah. Now what's interesting, Andy is, um, you know, we've been, I've been coaching in, agents to this roadmap uh, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word for like the last two years. And, um, you know, really it's been super helpful because people can see where they are, what the next level is and how to get there. And I think, um, frameworks for what, what I'll call frameworks, like this is mm-hmm. a framework, right? How to understand yep. the different stages of a business, but their framework can be super helpful because they, they provide, uh, help you take complex ideas or a whole constellation of ideas and put them in a sensible order and um, one of the things when I was looking at this, um, you know, outside of real estate, my personal growth journey for the last 20 years is it has always involved meditation. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, when I coming out of college, I, I spent a year and traveled the world and went to India and Japan and 
went deep on the meditation stuff and always felt that was a great um, journey. And the thing that the, the, a great augment to my personal growth, the thing that it, it really made me in tune with was, um, was energy. And um, there's another framework that I want to share with, with the, the audience here. Um, and that is this calibrated scale of energy or uh, consciousness. And it, it, the interesting thing was I, I was just intuitively got the sense, hey, you know what? I want to take another look back at this, this framework of the calibrated scale of energy of consciousness because I think there's some correlation here. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting, can you see what's on the screen there, Andy? Like I can. Two, two yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so I pulled this up and I start looking at it <clears throat> and I said, wow, <clears throat> isn't that interesting? Because um, the the roadmap on the right is, is colored like a rainbow and the <laughs> the energy of uh, or the emotions of human experience here on the left are colored like a rainbow. And then I said, well, let me just see if there's any correlation here to what these things are. And so what you see on the left is um, what we call this calibrated scale of energy, emotion, or consciousness. And to give you just a, a, a high-level overview of what where this comes from and what it means is that ultimately everything is energy, right? We know that um, science has even proven this. If they get down to atomic physics and they break down you know, what we think is solid matter, the table I'm knocking on is made up of molecules, and which is made up of atoms, and atoms are made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. And we used to think those things were solid, like little pieces of grains of sand whizzing around at really high speed. But what science has now told us is that even those what we think are like little grains of sand that make up atoms are actually just packets of energy um, Mm -hmm. that appear to be solid. So ultimately, at the most fundamental level, everything is energy. And this chart on the left um, basically maps kind of this scale of energy or consciousness. And at the bottom, at the very bottom is, is, is zero. And at the very top, uh, is is this level of a thousand, um, and a thousand is the highest kind of level of energy that a human being could embody or hold in their nervous system without okay. blowing the circuits. Right? So we talk about a thousand would be like Christ, the Buddha, whatever uh, you know, somebody kind of at that level, okay. uh, being able to embody that level of energy. And then down at the bottom at zero is basically there's no energy, there's nothing there, it's non-existence. But what's interesting is. Um, if we look at kind of where these things, uh, the scale, there's a couple milestones on the scale, and you'll see mm-hmm. the teal colored bar there um, it is where we get to what we call the level of integrity. And when I say integrity, it's not like uh, your word is your bond, but mm-hmm. more what I mean by integrity or what this principle is, is that things, um, things have the ability to sustain themselves. Okay, they can they they can sustain themselves and above the level of two hundred, which is the energy level of integrity, almost like a structural integrity. A structural integrity above the level of two hundred, things have a tendency to um, evolve and grow, and and uh, to a higher level of order, a higher level of energy, a higher level of organization. Um, it's an upward spiral, if you will, mm-hmm. and below the level of integrity things have a tendency to be like a downward spiral. They'll tend towards disorganization, what we call entropy or dissolution, and toward tend towards non-existence. And what's interesting is, um, you know, if we look at where we start at in the real estate business, 
these different emotions, when we look down here at the bottom, lowest one of the lowest emotions is shame, guilt, judgment, hopelessness, grief, fear, desire, anger, pride. Just above pride, we get to courage, and there we are at the level of integrity. But if we ask ourselves, like, hey, where do most agents start out? Like when they first start out in the business, what do you think? What are the predominant emotions that they're feeling? That lower group is every new agent I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, on a good day, on a good day, they're, they, they're somewhere between fear and desire, right? <laughs> right. Um, on a good day, they're between fear and desire. And so what was interesting is I looked at, hey, well, how does this correlate to what we saw through the roadmap of um, mm -hmm. people growing the real estate business? And as the solopreneur, that person just getting started, it's in the red, you know, they're mm -hmm. in that. Uh, and maybe, you know, that second stage as a seeker, um, you know, they're in this fear and desire. Yep. Um, what's interesting is you can have agents that get out there, they start taking action. And I'm sure you've seen this as well. They get a little bit of success under their belt and they get a little prideful. And there is always that, you know, there's the age old expression, the pride before the fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and that will keep them kind of in in that in that mode. What's interesting um, is what does it take to go uh, and get beyond that level of fear, desire, uh, and pride, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you look at this teal colored band, what it says is it's it's um, it's the threshold of self accountability. And I know, um, and what I've seen. And the transformation uh, of the agents that we work with, it's getting those agents to hold themselves accountable. And whether mm -hmm. that's through peer accountability groups or the individual one-on-one -on -one coaching, it's that ability to uh, admit their mistakes um, and hold themselves accountable that pushes them up to that next level, right? right. Where um, they can begin to see what are the things that are holding themselves back yep. and really uh, go from kind of that lower level uh, where they're kind of in the ego self, we'll call it, mm -hmm. to get up into that place where it's positive, productive, we've got courage, neutrality, willingness. And where I find kind of what was interesting when I looked at this was an agent, um, their production doesn't really stabilize until they get and they can, they can hang out in these um, predominant emotional it's, states from the it's, like, it's where they they get some self-awareness right ex of, exactly. they are aware of their strengths they're also aware of their weaknesses and they're they're vulnerable enough and it says right their willingness right yeah to understand and admit those things right to know where do i need to mitigate where do i need to accentuate right and they need and to, with their time and so I love, I love, and it literally everything on the left is, is like, is an emotion that pairs mm -hmm. up almost perfectly with one of the stages on the right. A hundred percent. So what, what we see, and I think you touched on something really great is that self-awareness because where does growth come from? Um, growth comes from awareness and awareness of what? Awareness of our unconscious thoughts and behavior. And it just so happens that becoming aware of your unconscious thoughts and behavior happens best or happens easiest in a relationship of accountability, right? You set out to do something, Andy, you and I meet once a week. You're like, okay, did you do it? Did you not do it? Uh, okay. Well, my question I ask is not why didn't you do it? Because why is a question of judgment? Mm -hmm. Somebody poking you in the chest. Well, why didn't you do it? <laughs> Rather... A question that opens up um, that self-discovery is, well, what did you notice about yourself, Andy, and not following through? 
right? What did you like notice that. about yourself and not falling through? Because I think what we have um, started to do in our, 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 our environment is, is live into a higher definition of what is accountability mm-hmm. because accountability in its, in its, in its best definition is, is, is the highest form of love you can show another human being. I agree. And I, and I think there's a push right now, at least. And of course, this always depends on your circle and your bubble that you're in, right? Cause that's your focus. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a push to reframe the word accountability, right? Because I feel like it has been, um, drugged through the mud, you know, yeah, because I think it's, it's, cause I think it's been misused as well. Right. It's been, it's been misused. I mean, if, if we think about accountability in the negative, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where most people, it might have a negative association to, sure. to accountability where they don't want to have accountability. It probably, if you look at that chart, where, where why or where would they not want to have accountability? It's because someone made them feel what? If you look in at that Africa. chart on the left, inadequate, like shame, guilt. Mm-hmm. Okay, why didn't you do it? You know? Um, mm-hmm. But if we really elevate the definition of accountability to noticing or observing without judgment. Yep. Because what does um, a great friend do to you when you're off track? Uh, they'll call you to the carpet, right? But they do it with love. I think, right. I think the, yep. uh, and I think it's best, a two way street, right? You've yeah. got to give somebody the ability to hold you accountable. Just like you've got to hold somebody accountable with the mm-hmm. right intention. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is and I real think, quick, Brett, because I, I people are going to love this. Well, of yeah. course, I'm being biased because I love it, <laughs> but people are going to love this and they're going to want to know, are we going to be able to give them like a PDF of this? Yeah, I'll, I'll share both of these um, and that we can we can put when you post the podcast, people okay. can do the, de- the downloads on both of these. But just just to tie up, because I think, you know, like you talked about this evolving definition of accountability um, is is so important for both individual agents especially if you want to become a team leader mm-hmm. is really um, how to live into that. Because I think a great example of what accountability can do at the highest level is um, what you see and what happens in the miracle of the 12 step work. Now I'm, I'm not a 12 step person myself, but I've, mm-hmm. I've, I have people who've been you know impacted by that. And if you really look at what that is and it is transformational for people, because when you talk about love, right? Like, a mom can love their alcoholic son. Their brother can love him. Everybody loves him and they want him to change, but the guy doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But he gets into an environment that's unconditional, right? That's mm-hmm. non-judgmental. Uh, that is a relationship of accountability because it got a sponsor. Yep. Uh, what can really happen? And I think that's the magic that happens um, in accountability. So, so for those of you who do have teams, um, you know, having that right relationship and definition of accountability can help take your business to the next level. And, and by that same token, until you can get up into and have your agents get up into um, these levels of courage, willingness, acceptance, this can do positive and productive um, energy and emotion, because mm-hmm. everybody does have what we'll call an emotional or energetic home, meaning on the average day and the average week, where do you hang out, man? Like, yep. where are you here? Where's your baseline? Where's your baseline? Because uh, I have, you know, you have agents who aren't quite there yet in their business that want to start a team. Mm-hmm. And if they're not at that level, um, you know, of, of uh, personal accountability, um, they just can't sustain the team. But then, you know, I've also had the privilege and opportunity of coaching these team leaders to, to go past, uh, you know, get out of the grind and mm-hmm. to get out of the grind themselves and 
and hire a, a, a listing specialist um, and move out of production, what does it take? They have to be able to elevate and delegate yep. um, and trust, right? The, the, their, their agents, their staff. And what's interesting is if you look at this chart, um, the next major threshold to go to the next level is the thresh, threshold of trusting. And that's yes. what it takes to get over into the blue, to, into the purple. So anyway, um, I wanted to share that because it, it sets a context. Uh, when we, we now look at our company, I ask myself, Hey, where's my agent? Like my agents on my team, where are they hanging out? And, mm-hmm. and how, how can I help them, uh, get to the next level? Because wherever they're hanging out on a consistent basis emotionally will be the ceiling of their business. So, um, I love that. Yeah. I love so, that. So, so any, any, uh, yeah. So that's, so, that's, tell me this, Brett, who, if, cause there's going to be a people wanting to reach out and say, Hey, yeah, how do I get a hold of Brett? I have some follow up questions for him or, you know, um, what, how, how does somebody reach out to you? Do you have an email address or a website? I do. Um, it is, uh, my email is Brett at the real experts. And we do have a, a coaching and training blog, which, uh, is be a real expert.com. Uh, there you'll see interviews and podcasts, uh, that, that like, just like this, that I've been on as well as interviews with, uh, agents and team leaders in our organization on how they've, uh, scaled and gone to the next level. Perfect. I love this, Brett. This was awesome. And you're going to get us a PDF. So we'll make sure we attach it to the podcast so that anybody who's listening wants to download it and take a look at it. Uh, they can do so. Um, and I really appreciate you being on and sharing this with us, Brett. This was a really good one. I love it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Absolutely. All right. Have a great uh, uh, rest of the evening or I'm sorry, rest of the afternoon. I I do want to say anybody who's listening to the podcast, please make sure and give us a five star review and um, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. We'd absolutely love it. And we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Have a great one.